Well, good morning, girls and boys. Nice to see you all. The book of Jonah, we're going to read, just to remind ourselves of the story we're looking at. We'll read the first few verses, first three verses. Verse 1 then, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa. And they found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof, and went down unto it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Amen. May the Lord bless this reading from his precious word. Now, we know the story of Jonah and the whale, and that, to many people, sums up this whole book. But in actual fact, the main teaching of the book of Jonah is not really about the whale at all. Oh, it features in the story, but it is not the central truth that God would have us learn from the book of Jonah. Now, we have read these three verses. We have read them before, since we have started studying Jonah. And we take note here of Jonah's reaction to the command of God. God commands him clearly what he has to do, and Jonah immediately turns his back and runs away. Now, I want you to notice something about Jonah's disobedience. Because, boys and girls, it's not a common act of disobedience. You read in the Bible where many of God's people, oh, how many of God's people disobeyed the Lord. But among all the records of disobedience among the people of God, I think Jonah's sits out as different from all the others. Now it's very clear from what we read in these verses that Jonah, without any deliberation, that is, sitting down and thinking and puzzling about what it is God has told them to do, and without any hesitation. For it seems to me, in verse 3, that as soon as God gives Jonah his instruction as to what he should do, Jonah immediately disappears. So without sitting down to wonder about it all, or puzzle about it all, without hesitation and without any deliberation on this matter, he disobeyed God. He disobeyed God. And he refused to comply with what it was that God was commanding him to do. Now, as I say, this, I believe, is a response to God's command that is unique in the record of the Bible. I don't think you find another act of disobedience that is quite in the same category. I said already that there were many, many acts of disobedience recorded in the scriptures, but none of those acts of disobedience, and remember, David disobeyed the Lord, Peter disobeyed the Lord, and we could go through a whole lot of names of those who disobeyed the Lord. But in this case here, Jonah just directly, defiantly, without any apparent reluctance, refused to obey God. He was most reluctant to do what God wanted him 
to do. It's not that he half-heartedly said, Oh, well, all right, if that's what you want me to do. No, it's not as if he adopted that attitude. He just downright refused to do what it was the Lord wanted him to do. And he sought to get away from God. Look at what it says. Verse 3, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He didn't want to hear this command again. He didn't want to have any further argument, as it were, with God on this matter. As far as Jonah was concerned, the discussion's over. I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. And I'm going to get away from you as far as I can. He sought to get away from the presence of the Lord. Now, that teaches you something. That shows you the foolish frame of mind that Jonah was in. You can't get away from the Lord. No matter where you travel on the face of this earth, God's there. And if you go up to heaven, God's there. And if you go down to the pit where those who have defied God are now suffering punishment, he's there too. You can't get away from God. But it is foolishness. For a foolish frame of mind had overtaken Jonah. And in his foolishness he thought he could get away from God. He was like Adam. Remember when Adam sinned? What did he do? He hid amongst the trees in the garden. Thinking that that would get him away from God. Foolish. Well, Jonah wasn't any wiser than Adam. And of course, that's a common thing amongst men. They all think they can get away from God. I used to travel on a bus on my way home from work before I was saved, and I passed a church. I've told you this before, but some of you wouldn't have heard it. I used to pass a church, and it had a big gospel sign on it. Jesus saith, you must be born again. And I used to hide my eyes from it. I used to get a newspaper and hold it up, thinking that I could get away from that text. Get away from what God was saying. But of course I couldn't. Even though the paper was up, I could still see it in my mind. I could still read the text, as it were, in my mind. I couldn't get away. And so it is foolishness on the part of men to try and get away from God. Let me dwell on this a little bit this morning. And underscore this particular point. I want you to notice the folly. The folly. Of human wisdom. What men think is right and wise and good is actually folly. Now Jonah, Jonah was doing what he thought was the right thing to do in the circumstances in which he found himself. He ran away from God. And what follows this action highlights the folly that was now ruling and reigning in Jonah's heart. Now, Jonah was a good man. I want to emphasize this. I don't want you to to think for a minute that Jonah was some sort of a wicked, wicked, evil man. He wasn't. He wasn't. Jonah was a good man. He was one who believed in God. He was one who feared the Lord. He feared the Lord. And yet he turned his back upon the command of God because, and here's the reason why he did it, because what God was requiring him to do was not in step with Jonah's thinking. Jonah thought what God 
wanted him to do was wrong. And for that reason, he ran away and refused to obey God. If you turn to chapter 4, and you older ones, please note this, the verse 2 is the key, the key that unlocks the story of Jonah. Listen to what chapter 4 verse 2 says. Now by this time, Jonah has been swallowed by the wheel, and he has been thrown out by the wheel. He has been commanded afresh by God to go to Nineveh, and this time he obeyed the Lord, and he went and he preached, and tremendous results followed. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people were converted. All that will come to later. But all that has happened by the time you come to chapter 4 and the verse 2. Here, well, let's read verse 1. But it displeased Jonah. What did? The thousands and thousands and thousands of people that were converted in Nineveh. And God not judging Nineveh. That's what displeased Jonah. He was most unhappy that this great city, which was one of the chief enemies of Jonah's people, Israel, God had spared it, hadn't judged it, as he threatened to, because the city repented. And as I say, thousands and thousands and thousands of people were converted. And it displeased Jonah exceedingly. Not just a wee bit, but very, very much. And he was very angry. See these words, exceeding and very, that shows you that old Jonah was in a bad frame of mind as a result of what had happened. And he prayed unto the Lord. Now, please notice that Jonah is still in communion with God. As I said, he's not an evil, wicked man who rejected the existence of God and didn't believe what God said or anything like that. No, he was a good man who foolishly thought he knew better than God. Oh, that's a very common thing. He prayed, it says, unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth thee of the evil. Now, as I say, that verse is the key. It tells you why Jonah ran away. He ran away not because he was a wicked hater of God or anything of that nature. He ran away because he knew God was kind and merciful. And if he went with God's message to Nineveh, it likely would result in Nineveh being spared from judgment and not destroyed by God. That's what bothered Jonah. Because Nineveh was a center of opposition and hatred toward Israel, the people of Jonah, and Jonah would wish that Nineveh would be destroyed and wiped out and cease to be a threat to his people. And for that reason, when God said, I want you to go to Nineveh with this message, Jonah said, oh, If I go there, God is merciful and long-suffering and kind and gracious. He'll save that people. And they'll not be destroyed. And we still will have to face them. We in Israel. If I go there, that will be the outcome. 
I'm not going. I'm running away. But how foolish it was for Jonah to think that he knew better than God. You see, Jonah preferred the destruction of Nineveh rather than the deliverance and saving of it. Let me tell you something, boys and girls. In the the Old Testament, you discover that Israel was a special people. Nobody liked them. God set his affection upon Israel in a manner, in a fashion, to a degree that he did not do with others. On one occasion, the Lord Jesus Christ, and remember the Lord Jesus lived in Old Testament times. Oh, I know you read about him in the New Testament, but the Old Testament times didn't end until the Savior was crucified. Then began the new time, the new era. So, in the Old Testament times, we find the Lord Jesus meeting with a woman who was not an Israelite. And she asked him for his blessing. And the Savior answered, and we're reading from you old ones, Matthew chapter 15, verse 24. He answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Matthew 15, verse 24. And there you have set out the general principle that governed the Old Testament. God's interest and love and affection and covenant mercies centered chiefly upon the people of Israel. And the Jews reached a stage in their thinking whereby they didn't like anybody to be blessed of God except themselves. And you see that this was even a problem. For the apostles, when we came into the New Testament era, the gospel time that we're living in now, things changed. The Lord Jesus said to his apostles, Go ye into all the world. Now before that, they had been sent out by the Lord Jesus, and they had been told only go to the Israelites. Don't go outside of the borders. But now you see, things have changed. And under the gospel covenant, It is God's will that all the world hear the message of salvation. But Peter and John and James and all the other, they were Jews who had been brought up believing that they alone were the people that God was interested in. So when they were told, go ye into all the world, they reacted a bit like Jonah. They wondered, can this be right? We have to go to the heathen. The Gentiles. And consequently you will read in your New Testament, in the book of the Acts, and also in other epistles, including Galatians, how that the apostles were very, very slow to go into all the world. They limited themselves just to preaching to Jews. And when on one occasion Peter was very definitely led of God to go and preach to a Roman soldier, and his household, and they were Gentiles, they weren't Jews. But God led Peter to do that very clearly. When Peter went, he got into trouble. He got into trouble with the other Christians, the Jewish believers. What are you going to them for? They're Gentiles. And the church was very slow at the beginning to learn the truth. God wants you to go to the Gentile. 
and share with them the gospel as well. For it's his will that he'd take out of the Gentile nations of the earth a people believing in Christ. Here you are today, and you're a Gentile. You're not a Jew. You're a Gentile. And if you believe in the Lord Jesus, then you have enjoyed the same mercy that God showed to the Ninevites, and which Jonah didn't want God to show to the Ninevites. That's where we are in this book of Jonah. He was guided, Jonah was guided by his own thinking. And when God told him to do something that wasn't in keeping with his own thinking, Jonah refused. He preferred to see the Ninevites destroyed. That seemed to suit his plan regarding the future of Israel much better. Now, I want to strive to underscore and to get across to you that Jonah was not acting in a mean and uncharitable spirit. It was not that he was a wicked man and a hard-hearted, cruel man. It's just that he misunderstood God's purpose and acted according to his misunderstanding, thinking that his misunderstanding was in fact the right thing. Because as we have looked at chapter 4 and the verse 2, you don't find in the verses that follow, after Jonah has prayed unto the Lord, you don't find the Lord rebuking him severely. You don't find the Lord really opening up and verbally chastising him. No. There's a gentleness with the Lord's reaction because he was anxious to teach Jonah his error. For he knew that Jonah had not acted out of any cruel hatred toward the Ninevites. He had acted out of an interest in the preservation of Israel. He thought if the Ninevites are removed, judged and destroyed, then Israel will be much safer. And that's what moved him. He was thinking about the safety of the people of God. And God knew that. But you know, Boys and girls, even when we think we're doing good, if we're not acting according to God's word, then we're not doing good. We're not doing good. Poor old Jonah, how kindly the Lord dealt with him. We'll come to that later when we get to chapter 4, but I just want to stress that with you now. The last thing I'll say this morning is this. The best of men, the best of women, the best of boys and girls, and girls and boys, may give way to thinking that they know better than God. And therefore, when God says to do something, they say, well, I think that that wouldn't be a good thing to do. Instead, I'm going to do something different. That's what lies behind the actions of Jonah. And the best of men and women and boys and girls have done this throughout history. Disobeyed God, thinking that it was a proper thing to do. Sadly, when we act like that, boys and girls, then what came on Jonah will come on you. What happened to Jonah? Well, first and foremost, he went away from God. He fled from the presence of the Lord. He wanted to get away from God. That's where his human wisdom was taking him. It brought much grief and vexation to his own soul. We'll be looking at that fact when we think of what happened to him. The storm tossed into the sea, swallowed by the whale. All that was a great grief, a great grief and a great trial to Jonah. 
brought on him by himself when he said, I think I know better than God. And it's also to be noted that when we disobey God, we'll bring grief to others. Look at the fear and the dread and the trouble that came upon the sailors. Now, we haven't looked at it, but we will see it. I'll not go into it in any great depth this morning. But we will see it when we come to it. The poor sailors were terrified by the storm that God sent in order to stop Jonah. You see, when we disobey God, we bring trouble with us into our families, into the church, into the community, just like Jonah. But it's when we walk with the Lord, as we sang this morning, when we walk with the Lord, what a joy there is in our lives. And we bring joy to others. So learn this today, boys and girls. The poor old Jonah acted according to what he thought was the right thing to do, but he was wrong because he acted against God. May you learn that today. Well, let's leave it there. We'll bow together, please, in prayer. Let's seek the Lord for his blessing upon us. O God, our Heavenly Father, help us to understand just what it was that happened in the story of Jonah. Help us, Lord, to fear disobedience to God. Help us to walk with the Lord in the light of his word. Bless the boys, the girls, the teachers, the school, the families of the school today. Lord, look down upon it in mercy, I pray, even as you showed mercy to Nineveh. Lord, let that mercy be poured out upon this little gathering and this work and witness, we ask it, remembering all the other schools as well. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.